the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. It is the Dennis Prager Show for this Wednesday, October 5th. Is this time zone-ism? It's a beautiful morning, because certainly true in the Pacific time zone, certainly true in the mountain time zone, true in the central time zone, where I am, but in the East Coast with a ton of American population. It's a beautiful afternoon, or at least I hope it is. Welcome. I'm Mark Davison for Dennis, Yom Kippur edition, so you had to hit the, uh, is there like a bat signal with like a like a cross for the evangelical Christian guy on the Jewish High Holy Days? Is that, is that how it works? So anyway, it's wonderful to be here, wonderful to uh, sit here in the Dennis Prager chair. Actually, not the actual Dennis Prager chair. We're in the uh, studios of, of Salem, Dallas, where I've just finished uh, the morning show. I can't think of the, the any better vehicle for... Uh, or show prep for doing Dennis's program, then knocking out my own show uh, this morning, which I always do, uh, right here on 660 AM, The Answer, in the big, thriving Dallas-Fort Worth. That's right, Texas, we're in the news all the time, where we're trying to keep a Beto from uh, reaching the governor's mansion. That, uh, that, uh, he, that will not happen. Abbott wins, and it won't be close. But we will talk today about some electoral things. What are we, 34 days out? Uh, every election is always the most important in your life up to then, and I guess this is uh, no exception. Not even a presidential thing. It's an off-year election, a midterm, as they are called. But we're in the middle of the first term of the, um, how can I put it uh, succinctly, the worst presidency of my lifetime, uh, and yours, and I don't care how old you are. Uh, so we'll spend some time today talking about your feelings about the prospects for election at 22, 34 days out, uh, Republicans will absolutely win back the House. That usually happens. That's there's that it's almost science, but it certainly is history. That in the first off-year election, after a party takes the White House, like Clinton wins in '92, huge Republican victories in '94. Uh, Obama wins in 2008, big Republican victories in 2010. Uh, Biden wins, or did he? <laughs> I know. Don't start that talk show again. Uh, Biden at least achieves the office of president. And then two years later, here we are. What is it, about a 10-person uh, a ten margin in the Senate? And uh, and so what you have is an opportunity to watch some history happen, as Republicans will certainly take the House back, but then also the opportunity to make sure that the Senate falls into the right hands, and we'd like to have that happen as well. And the the key to that lies in a bunch of states, and one of them is Georgia. And that brings up the Herschel Walker situation, which I want to talk to you about today, very frankly, because it involves politics, it involves morality, it involves damage control. 
you know, how's that working out? It involves just, just uh, it involves media. It involves human nature. It, there is a key part of human nature that, and Democrats do it too. During, I mean, Bill Clinton was doing terrible things during the actual presidency, and Democrats did not bail on him. And, uh, at the, and I was certainly doing talk shows at the time, and I said, look, it's human political nature that when someone who is delivering the policies you want is delivering those policies, there's a large heaping helping of forgiveness, willful blindness sometimes, that will come along with that. Because, I mean, Democrats might, I had Democrat callers ask me, you know, in, in 96, you know, this is even pre-Monica Lewinsky, pre-everything, uh, well, not pre-everything, but, you know, people knew enough about, about Bill Clinton and the character issues. And I had Democrat callers call me in the 1996 election and say, Mark, what, what am I supposed to do, vote for Bob Dole? I had to admit they had a good point. Of course, I would have loved for them to vote for Bob Dole because not enough people did. But the point being, these were Democrat callers, liberal callers. They had a liberal president. They're not going to punt a liberal president because of some peccadilloes, always a great word, uh, that were in progress right before their eyes. So now, and, and with the Herschel thing, now let me give phone numbers and everything and how to get a hold of me. You know that. 1-8-Prager-776. 1-8-Prager-776. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Davis, M-A-R-K Davis. I take a look at that on the fly. It's another whole show sometimes. We'll see how that works out. But just give us a shout at 1-8-Prager-776. There are things I will blurt out that may want you that may uh, make you want to uh, blurt something in, uh, uh, in reply. The blurt lines are open at uh, 1-8-Prager-776. In terms of Herschel, it kind of goes through a flow chart. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Herschel Walker, football star, uh, Georgia, uh, professional football star, including here in Dallas, um, has parlayed that fame in his beloved Georgia that loves him back into a U.S. Senate bid in the attempt to unseat the radical, liberal, yet member of the clergy Raphael Warnock. That may be something we need to examine today. How does someone walk into a pulpit, any pulpit, well, a Christian pulpit, a Judeo-Christian pulpit, any synagogue, any church, and profess to represent what God says or what Jesus says, and then go out into the real world and say, hey, you know what we need? We need more abortion. How... How, how in the world does one reconcile that? Anyway, a, an exhibit A of that, Raphael Warnock, is up for uh, re- re-election in, in the Senate in Georgia, and as Republicans and conservatives, we'd like to have that not happen. We had a busy primary, and Herschel Walker was the winner of that. And I, I didn't know uh, during the primary if Herschel was my number one choice, but he is now because he's the only choice. Any Republican is better than any Democrat. Learn it. Live it. I mean, up in New England, in Maine, where many of you are listening, you know, you don't get the kind of Republicans we get here in Texas. You're not going to get a Ted Cruz winning in New England. And that's okay. We're working on that. But that's okay. They're not all going to be down the line, consistent, uh, muscular, unapologetic conservatives uh, like like I am and like I would want. But I'd take but I'll, Susan Collins, I'd, I want Susan Collins there rather than anybody who's a Democrat in Maine. So anyway, to come back to Georgia. So if the goal 
is to put a Republican there uh, instead of Raphael Warnock, and that is absolutely the goal. Uh, Herschel's the guy, the only guy. So through the flow chart, here's where the damage control and our assessment of what's going on there, here's where that, uh, here's where that breaks down. Is it true? The story is, offered up by the Daily Beast, a leftist online rag, but you know, doesn't mean they can't be right on something, uh, that a woman professes that uh, she and Herschel uh, had a baby in 2009, or excuse me, didn't have a baby, that's the point, uh, got pregnant in 2009, and that Herschel, she wa- that Herschel uh, funded the abortion, shot her a check for $700 and a lovely get well card that we've all seen on the TV box with his purported signature, even though last night, what, I think he's on Laura Ingram tonight, the Herschel damage control tour is something to see. I will tell you, people who are lying, I mean, I don't know, there are really well-practiced and fundamental and uh, unapologetic and tireless liars who will go on every show that asks them, but he, he, he ain't running from this. He is not running at all. He was on Fox last night. He was on Fox and Friends this morning. Brian Kilmeade said, here's the card. Says, get well soon, H. And he said, I never signed my name with an H. I never just do the H for Herschel. He said, I never do that. So is that a forgery? I don't know. You don't know. None of us is going to know. None of us is going to He said, she said. He profusely denies it. She is unidentified. This is a huge problem. If you are going to step forward with charges to ruin someone's life, at least with Christine Blasey Ford in the Brett Kavanaugh charade, we knew who she was. Her believability was thus accessible. It was something you could say, all right, does this woman seem to be uh, telling the truth? Or are there enormous holes in her story? And in her case, there were enormous holes in her story, and she did not succeed in derailing the Brett Kavanaugh nomination to the Supreme Court. Thank God. So in this particular case, we don't know who this woman is. We don't know if that card is real. We don't know if Herschel wrote the check. We don't know what the check was for. He says, I wrote checks to people all the time. I'm a, I've been very blessed, and I'm a generous person. Okay. So the first block in the, um, in the flow chart is, is it true? And, and you immediately run into, well, because I don't know. So let's do, as flowcharts do, go off in a couple of directions, if it is or if it's not. If it is true, is it possible that herein lies a story of redemption? Someone who has fallen, someone who made mistakes, learned from them, atoned for them, and is doing better in life now? Sure. There are lots of examples of that. You know, we're not measured by how we fall, but how we pick ourselves up and continue from that point. The thing is, Herschel says it's a lie. Herschel says it did not happen. If it did, my favorite thing would be for him to admit it, atone, profess redemption, and go on from there because I'm a big believer in redemption, and uh, as so should we all be. So let me scoot, and we'll come back. I'll pick this up and see what your thoughts are, too, at 1-8-Prager-776. Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy, Cofix RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. 
What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811, and 96% of us are iodine deficient. Using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com, that's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com, for a retailer near you, or use the coupon code PRAGER for 20% off at CofixRx.com. It is the Wednesday Dennis Prager Show. It is October 5th, 2022. Mark Davison for Dennis, about to head for your calls. I was just about at the end of my paragraph. <laughs> the clock is a cruel taskmaster. Uh, and, and here's where I was ultimately going. Had this up on Twitter earlier today. We do not know if the charge about Herschel and the abortion in 2009 is true. We can accept or reject his denial. I'm choosing to accept it. But we, we don't know. We don't know like we know our own names, like we know the 2 plus 2 make 4. We don't know if that story is true. However, guess what we do know is absolutely true. And keep in mind, what people are trying to do is come to those of us who are pro-life and go, ah, hypocrisy. Come to those of us who are pro-life and try to peel us away from Herschel. Well, I don't know if that Herschel story is true. Even if it is it could well be there's a story of a lesson learned and redemption achieved. Of course, he'd have to be telling the truth about that. Part of redemption is telling the truth about it. He denies it, says it's not true. So since I don't know, and here we are butted up against that wall of I don't know, here is something you do know. The alternative, if you don't vote for Herschel, if you stay home and not vote for Herschel, or switch on over to old Reverend Warnock, he wants more abortion. If you're a pro-lifer, you got a guy who wants more abortion and a guy who wants less. What exactly else do you need to know? What matters? It's policies. What kind of senator would Herschel be? What would he bring to the floor of the Senate? What would he bring in terms of legislation? How would his votes go compared to how Raphael Warnock's have gone? Raphael Warnock is a radical, liberal Democrat. That's all you need to know. Maybe you differ. 1-8-Prager-776. 1-8-Prager-776. We're in Los Angeles. John, Mark Davison for Dennis. How you doing, sir? Happy Wednesday. Hello. Am I? Hi. You are. Hey, hi. Thanks. thanks for taking my call. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been this radical before, but um, the, the thing is, is that the Democrats, this is a silly season. Democrats are going to come with lies against every single Republican candidate. And um, I'm a Christian. And this is the first time I've ever said this, but it, um, just vote Republican or you're or you're going against God. There's too many anti-God positions in the Democratic Party that um, and they're willing to lie and they do not have a value. As, as Dennis Prager says, the left does not have a value for the truth. So they yeah. will lie and do whatever they can to peel off Christians who are committed to Christ. And they'll try and come up with a reason for you to not support the Republican. And it's just at that point right now. If you're a Christian, you have to vote with the Republican Party. I, let me run this up the broadcast flagpole because I, I find great value in, in your observation. 
if it sounds, I mean, let's put it to the test. If you're driving around going, oh, what? If you're if you're a Christian, you got to vote Republican. I mean, there 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 are Democrats in church every Sunday. <laughs> I know. Uh, so let me let, let's put that to the test. Let's put that under the uh, the broadcast uh, microscope, shall we? On what issue does the Democrat Party seem to be closer to Scripture? On what issue, and uh, don't even try, <laughs> maybe I should let somebody try, or maybe I should douse that attempt right now. Uh, Jesus wants open borders. Jesus believes, you know, Jesus was a hippie liberal. He believes in endless government welfare. Don't even try. Uh, I'm in Texas. People- History repeats itself, and we're seeing that play out with inflation. When Jimmy Carter took office in the late 70s, gold sold for $140 an ounce. By 1980, the price of gold topped out at $870 an ounce. If today's market performs like it did when Carter was in office, the price of gold could skyrocket from $1,800 an ounce to $9,300 an ounce. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. Don't miss out on a great opportunity to purchase precious metals while the prices are still stable. If history repeats itself, we'll see a run on gold, silver, and platinum that will certainly drive up prices. Be smart and buy now, as I am. At AmFed, you're dealing with specialists who provide you with personalized attention, honest information, and sound advice. You'll never be pressured into buying outrageously priced so-called collectible coins or anything that you don't need. Take advantage of today's prices. AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. People hit me with Christianity all the time. Hey, Mark, I hear hear you like... Jesus. Yes, I do. What does Jesus think of Greg Abbott putting migrants on a bus and shipping them up to uh, to sanctuary cities? Well, rather than go with my personal politics or or whatever, uh, I've I go to Scripture. And we, again, if the subject is what does Jesus think about X, Y, or Z, what does God think about X, Y, or Z, it's best not to riff just off your own gut feeling. Uh, go to the evidence. There is nothing, nothing in Scripture that says that countries should not have borders. There is nothing, nothing in Scripture that says that lawlessness must be a part of, uh, of charity. There is nothing in Scripture that would seem to frown on the migrant trips uh, to, to sanctuary cities. Nothing. There's nothing in Scripture that says you need to be a sanctuary city. Nothing. Charity and kindness are human traits. These are things that we are supposed to show to each other. It is purely a, a leftist index card, a liberal trope, uh, to, to try to pitch the definition of kindness as coming through the channels, through the beneficence of government. Kindness and charity and Christian uh, uh, goodwill are never measured, never to be measured, by what government does. Now, Government action does involve leaders, and leaders are human beings. So if there were something inherently unkind about the bus, I mean, if the migrants were loaded onto the buses and Texas state troopers then flogged them mercilessly, then you have a scriptural problem. But they were not flogged mercilessly. They were taken to Martha's Vineyard, where at least a a few of them said, thanks, this is awesome, people want us here, this is cool, quite literally cool. From the steamy heat of Texas to the uh, cool ocean breezes of uh, of coastline Massachusetts, so the notion that there was some inherent unkindness here, the notion that there was 
some violation of uh, of scripture in Abbott's behavior, or or I mean, we're the ones who are trying to save babies in the womb. We're the ones who are trying to stand up for law and order. So on the gentleman's premise, which which is it was a pretty cut and dried Christianity. Christianity, by the way, does not tell you to vote Republican. Christianity doesn't tell you to vote for anybody. What you do, what I do, is we take a look at what the policies are, figure out which ones are closest to Scripture, if that means something to you, and then vote accordingly through our own logical process. So using our logical processes, 1-8-Prager-776, one of our multiple exercises, I'm glad to take what the gentleman said and put it to the test and, and ask the question. Is there an issue on which the Democratic Party has a... A more scripture-friendly view than Republicans do. One eight Prager seven seven six, or shoot me a note on Twitter at Mark Davis M A R K Davis. So to um, to wrap up the uh, the Herschel chapter, and we've got about a minute here in this segment. We'll do the bottom of the hour, come back and take some more calls at one eight Prager seven seven six. The Mark Davis definition of political damage. You ready? Because the big question now is, has this hurt him? Has, is, has Herschel been damaged by these allegations? True, false? Does it stick? Does it not? Has he been damaged by it? Here's the definition of damage. Ready? Does something happen? Let's say you're running for office. There's some revelation about you, some controversy about you, some vote you make, some position you take, some sin of omission or commission. You're the candidate. You are only damaged if people who were going to vote for you now say they're not. People say, oh, yeah, I'm all in for Herschel. You know, a, a week, two weeks ago, all in for Herschel. But as a result of this, they go, I'm out. Nope. Warnock all the way, baby, or I'm not going to vote at all. Is that happening? No evidence that it is. No evidence that it is. We'll talk, I'll, I'll expand on that theory of because of, I've got a couple of other candidates through history, a couple of other politicians through history, uh, Little, almost a little parlor game called Damaged or Not Damaged. We'll take a look at that. Take a look at your calls. Here they are. 1-8-Prager-776. Mark Davison for dinner. For dinner. In for Dennis. <laughs> in the lunchtime. And uh, we'll be back in just a moment. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special available to my listeners on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike is now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing the soft feel you look for in a towel. This set comes with one bath, one hand towel, and one washcloth, typically retailing for $49.99. For a limited time, you can get this three-piece towel set for the low price of $19.98 with the promo code Prager. Don't miss out on these extraordinary offers. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use the promo code Prager. It is the Dennis Prager Show on this Wednesday, the 5th day of October, 2022. Mark Davis filling in. Glad to have you here on the radio or on the Salem News Channel if you're locked and loaded there, taking a look at uh, this wonderful, sumptuous arrangement they have here on the second floor of Salem, Dallas, here at the studios of 660 AM, The Answer in DFW, where I'm the happy morning host and always happy to uh, finish off the day, do one talk show in the morning, come do another one. 
in the, in the Dennis chair. Glad, very, very glad to do that. A very blessed Yom Kippur to Dennis and everyone observing that today. Uh, telephone number is 1-8-Prager-776. You can go to the phones here in a second. Finishing the notion of, of political damage, whether Herschel Walker's been damaged by the, the uh, abortion charge against him from this uh, unidentified woman. Uh, the answer right now appears to be no, because the definition of damage is, does it lose you supporters? A um, couple of tests. Did Benghazi damage Hillary Clinton? Not one bit, because only conservatives cared about Benghazi. Did her mishandling of classified documents hurt her? Yes, because even some Democrats believe in proper handling of, uh, of classified documents. I, I can hear you yelling at me through the radio, yeah, Mark, what about Trump and those classified documents? Is, is, is that something that has caused the Trump brand to stumble a little bit? I think it probably has, until we know everything about what's going on with those documents at Mar-a-Lago. I think one of my favorite theories, I mean, think about it, the, the notion of Trump squirreling away documents to somehow help an American enemy or sell them or something, and neither of those has traction. Why would Trump have a, a, a basement full of documents at Mar-a-Lago? I would think to have the receipts, to have the goods on an intelligence community that uh, had it in for him with the Russia hoax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here in our own state of Texas, our Attorney General Ken Paxton, whom you probably know because he's on Fox News like every three days, uh, he's had a cloud of, uh, of, of uh, securities uh, law violations, indictments, attorneys in his office who have you know, cut ties and run and, uh, and, and hasn't lost a supporter that I can find. All of that has amounted to absolutely nothing. So has he been hurt by any of that? It appears the answer is no. So, um, all right, let's 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 stay in Democrat land. Um, is gender obliteration hurting some Democrats? Absolutely. Because even Democrats know how many genders there are. Uh, is radicalization of is critical race theory hurting some Democrats? Absolutely. Because there are even Democrats who believe that, that kids ought to be taught actual history and not indoctrination. So, again, how much damage, I guess we're all going to find out. We're going to find out a whole lot of things. It's a big referendum, not just on Joe Biden, but on Democrat leadership in this election in the next uh, 34 days. So we'll see how that all goes, and uh, let's see how things are going on the phone. one prager 776 1-8-Prager-776. We're in Morris, Illinois. Eric, hey, Mark Davis, in for Dennis. Happy Wednesday. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Hi, great. Yeah, I just wanted to call and reach out, man, and just tell you that you know now that the midterms are coming up, you see all these, you see all these campaign ads and everything, and the first thing the Democrats are always going to is how, uh, like for instance, Dalen, Darren Bailey's running for our Republican ticket for in Illinois, and they're saying how Darren Bailey wants to strip a woman's right, even in case of race and uh, rape and incest, and. You know, it just absolutely just blows my mind how everything comes back to that when it's a just a bold-faced lie, you know. I well, okay, what's what's the lie? Pardon, pardon me real quick. It's what's the that, that, It's just a lie that, you know, that that we're not, that Republicans are won't allow a, 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 a victim of rape or incest to be allowed to get an abortion. No, well, I mean, boy, sir, real quick. There's a growing there's a growing number of Republicans. They're called pro-lifers because that is exactly the pro-life view. 
that rape and incest do not create an exception for abortion because all life is sacred. Did this memo not get to you? I mean, there there are Republicans who are trying to tap dance on this and saying, oh, I'm pro-life, but rape and incest, we got to let them abort. That is not a pro-life view. That might be your view, might be your preferred view, but there are plenty of Republicans who are actually pro-life saying that, and they're... So, you okay with that? Oh, yeah, I don't don't believe that. I I believe that, I mean... Who would honestly want to look on, look in the face of something like that? Who would want oh, to live through? I something totally like understand. That? Oh, God, so, 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 because of that, so because of that, you kill the baby, right? Yeah, that's just that's Cause, just horrible cause, either way. Because we can't, we can't be looking in the face. Can't be doing that. Can't be looking. Yeah, at, I mean, yeah. I, listen, and, and I don't want to be, and I don't, I don't want to be flippant or glib about the, the plight of anybody who's been through that. So here it is in a nutshell: the pro-life view does not have any exceptions for rape and incest. That unborn life is either sacred or it's not. If it's not, pfft, abort it for anything. If it is, rape and incest exception is moral idiocy. So uh, what do you do? You, you pray, you love, you support these women. You, you, uh, adoption is an option. You know, no, no, most women are not going to want to raise a rapist's kid. I know women who have. So um, more in a moment, shall we? Mark Davison for Dennis. Skies are gray above. Got a pocket full of rainbows. Got a heart full of love. It is the Wednesday Dennis Prager Show, October 5th, 2022. Mark Davis in for Dennis. I hope your day is going great. Mine is always brightened by the opportunity to come hang out with you. If you're just joining us, here's some of what we've done. We've talked about the Herschel Walker damage control. Is there even any damage to control? It's never a great day when you have a story come out of the woodwork that a woman says you paid for abortion 13 years ago. Uh, but is that something that is gaining traction uh, without her being identified? That's pretty impossible. It's just wrong. That whether, uh, Give this to Christine Blasey Ford in her attempt to ruin Brett Kavanaugh's life. At least she did it publicly and was identified in the process so that her credibility uh, could be uh, evaluated, which is exactly what ought to happen all the time. There is, in fact, I'm sure you've heard kind of a hashtag, bit of a mantra, believe women. No, 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 no. Not all women should be believed. Some women lie, lie profusely, because they are human beings, and sometimes human beings lie. So, we are not called to believe all women and any charge that may, they may bring up out of the woodwork. However, every woman, every person, deserves to have a charge evaluated. They deserve to be heard. Maybe it's a longer hashtag, but listen to all women. Listen to all men. Listen to everybody who has a charge to level against anybody, and then that it gets evaluated out there in the bright light of day. That's the way to do this. Herschel has not had that opportunity. He's on like every Fox show every three hours now uh, to say these are lies. It only energizes me. And the evidence that appears to be in front of us here on this Wednesday, October 5, 34 days before the election, is that this is not hurting him at all. And there is a backfire phenomenon that happens sometimes. Lord knows it happened with Trump. People would try to bring stuff up or try to, you know, ruin him with some sideshow. And it just made the people who supported Trump say, well, we ain't going to have this. I'll bring three more people to the polls now. 
The other thing we examined, we had a call halfway through the first hour that was kind of interesting. And he threw down kind of an interesting thing. He said, you know what? Christianity at the moment requires a Republican vote. Now, that doesn't mean that Christianity, you know, that in Leviticus it says vote Republican. It means that if his assertion, his offering was that if if you are a Bible-believing Christian, that only the Republican Party shares your views. So I thought, okay, let's put this to the test. Because I said there are Democrats in church. There are Democrat members of the clergy who are pro-abortion. Raphael Warnock in Georgia is one of them. That should tell you all you need to know in Georgia if you're a pro-lifer, if you're the slightest bit of a pro-lifer, should tell you all you need to know in Georgia about what your vote should be uh, coming up this November or whenever early voting, whenever that infernal early voting starts in Georgia. So it is. There, there, there are people of all political stripes in church. But the uh, we we offered up the question: Is there a scriptural issue where the Democrats simply have it right and the Republicans don't? And we took about sixty seconds and batted away. I hate to. I don't want to stem what could be awesome calls. If you still want to try this, it'll be fun. The notion that Jesus wants open borders. The notion that Jesus teaches a certain kindness that says uh, that a a boy ought to be on the girls' track team because it's just the kind thing to do. Or he ought to be let into the girls' bathroom because it's just the kind thing to do. Kindness is scripturally discussed at length. It's what we do as individuals to and for each other. Uh, The definition of kindness is never, never defined by what government does. There's nothing remotely scriptural about a large welfare state, about any particular immigration policy, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and in terms of what we, how we interact with each other, there's nothing in terms of kindness that says that kindness requires that we abandon all kinds of other types of common sense. Boys don't go in, in the girls' room at school. A boy doesn't go on the track team next to your daughter, you know, at a, at a, at a state championship track meet. No, because, because that's a boy. Because that's a boy. He may be living as a girl, want to call himself a girl, get himself chopped up and chemically castrated to be a girl. He's not a girl. As a matter of fact, and as a matter of science, these are the genders that science, that God created and that science defines. And this is really one of the amazing chapters in, in modern life and culture. You heard of the Overton window? I think we, did we talk about this last time I was here? Comes up all the time. The Overton window is the concept in discourse within the borders of the Overton window are the things that are reasonable. If something lies outside the Overton window, it's something that society just generally does not view as plausible. Okay. Women voting, not in the Overton window at the nation's birth. Uh, Black president, not in the Overton window, <laughs> probably not 50 years ago. But guess what? All those, you know, all those things became within the, the realm of reason and, and within the Overton window. Uh, two dudes getting married to each other, not in the Overton window 100 years ago. In the Overton window now. Chemically castrating our sons. Performing double mastectomies on our teenage girls. If I do anything in life 
with what's left of this broadcast career of mine, I will fight every day to prevent those horrors from being shoehorned into the Overton window. This must never be okay. We have doctors. We have hospitals. We have parents. And I use each term loosely. Big air quotes. We have doctors. We have hospitals. We have parents. We're so twisted, so misguided. I saw a story uh, about a, a children's hospital named after Barbara Bush, the late, great Barbara Bush. wonder what she thinks about this. Interview with a doctor who uh, there was a story about a, a little boy, this beautiful little boy, except uh, now he's got wearing girls' clothes and they call him by a girl's name. And what kind of chemical castration needle was put into him by this, do- by this doctor at this hospital? And the icing on the cake is that a local TV station was covering it as if it was just the most hunky-dory thing. Hey, for a kicker story, hey, here's a pumpkin, uh, you know, uh, shaped like, uh, you know, one of Columbus's ships. Nope. Here's a boy being raised as a girl who's been chemically castrated by this doctor at this hospital. (laughs) Back to you in the studio. We are a fallen world. We are a desperately fallen society. And the fight will never end, and it must never end. So, anyway, well, didn't envision going down that rabbit hole, but it's always a good place to go. So why don't we hop to your call, see what's going on. We are in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Hey, Chris, Mark Davison for Dennis. How are you? Hey, Mark, I'm great. I have loved your show and followed it ever since uh, your days filling in for Rush. Hey, you're so kind. Thank you. On a national stage again. Thanks a million. So, Hey, so um, the the conversation you had with the gentleman uh, last hour about the relationship between Christianity and voting Republican really struck a nerve with me. Uh, I agree with you and him that conservative beliefs and uh, policies, politics, uh, largely, maybe completely, uh, align with Scripture. But on a personal level, I just don't feel comfortable with this idea of saying that my beliefs, my Christian beliefs, or your Christian beliefs, everybody's Christian beliefs, require us to vote Republican. Because implied in that, I think, is the statement that if you don't vote Republican, you're somehow not Christian and I no, don't exactly. feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable uh, hinging somebody else's. No, exactly. Uh, so, so let's let's do with with about a, with about a minute to go. Maybe require is the tricky word. Maybe it is that 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 conservative views, Republican views, are the ones that align most closely with Scripture these days, and that creates what ought to be a suggestion in the minds of most voters that if they wish to vote scripturally, that a, that a Republican vote probably does that with greater efficiency. Ain't nobody going to get kicked out. You know, it's not about what, you know, we're, we've checked your voting records and you're no longer going to be a deacon at the church. Uh, certainly nobody should should advocate that. Um, clock's ticking, so i got to scoot, but thank you for your, your kind words and, and your thought. Uh, the, the gentleman's point from last hour was that if, if, you're, if you're a Christian, you just got to vote Republican. Uh, so I said, listen, let's put that to the test. Is there a view? Of, hey, Democrats, we know you listen. Is there a view where you think you've got Scripture better than I do? Give me a shout. 1-8-Prager-776. Mark Davis, in for Dennis. Now that I've found a love so true, 
got a pocket full of rainbows, got an arm full of you. And here we are on that very product. Thank you for watching or listening or however you are consuming today's Dennis Prager show, especially showing me some grace because uh, I'm not Dennis. Mark Davis filling in. Dennis is back tomorrow. The Yom Kippur observance and blessed holiday to all of you who are, uh, who are observing it. Let's go to Akron, Ohio. Mike, Mark Davis in for Dennis. How are you this Wednesday? Good to have you. Hey, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me. I want to echo Hi. the platitudes of all your previous callers. You're a great American. Thank you, Thank you for fighting the good thanks. fight. Um, real quick, I just want to say that, you know, first and foremost, I am a Christian. Secondly, I am a conservative because of my Christian today values, which compels me to vote Republican. The progressives in this country, they don't know their Bible very well. They don't know context, meaning or anything. And the problem is evangelicals, especially evangelical leadership, are cowards in our country. And they're ignorant and they're cowards. They don't know the news. They don't know what's going on in the world. There's so much evil in our culture that they're not pushing back on, which they are commanded to do. They're not doing it. And let's just – I'll give you one quick example. The most important thing we believe in the church is the gospel. But yet – Pastors are not sharing the gospel outside the church and then talking about that experience behind the pulpit. Yet they say it's the most important thing. They don't want anything distracting from it. You know, it's really a cover for them to hide behind that because they just lack the courage to stand up against evil and do well, the right thing. So, all right, a word because it's 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 a very broad indictment, and I think there are, that you've described a pretty good sized number of people. Uh, I am well aware uh, of a number of people uh, who are evangelical leaders who do exactly what you're talking about. Who absolutely are? I mean, well, they're, 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 I, th- I think there's, I think there's way, I think there's way more than a few. I mean, a majority means fifty point oh 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 one percent. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I and do we need more? And do we need more of that? Yes, we absolutely do. So, what what, what does that look like? What, what, nah, nah, maybe because you're on something. Genuinely, genuinely yeah. valuable, and I and I love it. Uh, what what does it look like uh, a, a, a pastor comfortably preaching, you know, at the pulpit, but then not really living it enough, or getting out? When you said they they go out and they live life, and they don't bring that life experience back to the pulpit in order to preach the gospel, meaning what? Give me like an either just what does that look like? Okay, let me give you one quick example. We had a pastor, a little large church in Akron. He said he told a story real quick about a girl, a woman who was in front of him at a bank. She um, was having trouble working the buttons or whatever as a drive through. She drove away frustrated. He pulls up. The money comes down the chute. And he actually said, and there's people I could verify this. He said, well, I thought for a second about keeping I'm like, no, no, that's not the right thing to do. So I chased him down and gave her the money. That's the end of the story. He believed giving her the money back was the most important thing, not the gospel. It was a, it was a it was a silver platter opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Oh, I'm telling you, in, yeah. in churches across America, pastors, yeah. by and large, are not sharing the gospel outside the church and talking about that experience behind the pulpit to lead by example, because we all yeah. need that encouragement. No, so, I, I think that's uh, – anybody not doing that should. Uh, so give me 60 seconds on open borders. You've been more than kind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So open borders. So the symbol of the church is the cross. Okay, the symbol of the government's the sword. They're two different entities. Remember, Obama gave the sermon about the Sermon on the Mount and said, "Well, how are we going to apply that to our military?" I don't know if you remember that or not, but I they do. don't understand that the gospel was meant for individuals. 
I mean, it, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught, the evil that we're to abhor and avoid yeah. and the good that we're to abide and abound in, that's meant for individuals, and it does cross over, but it was, it's not meant for government. Government has a different role than simple governments of sort. You can't have open borders and chaos and crime and sex trafficking. It's not yeah. compassionate. It's the opposite of compassionate. It's not what Jesus would advocate. The Bible advocates for borders because it believes I am so I I could I couldn't couldn't be more pleased at the extra 60 seconds. Well done. Well done sir. Thank you very much. Let us roll to Flint, Michigan. Connie, hey Mark Davison for Dennis. How are you? Happy Wednesday. Hello. I'm fine. I enjoy the program Hi. every day. Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you. I was I was wondering how people uh I think they're they're not Christians. If you if you if you're a Christian you got to live it. You can't. If you're a Christian, you can't vote for people that kill babies. That believe they kill babies. It's not. It don't go together. Being a Christian well, and yeah, people I mean, that kill babies doesn't go together. <laughs> that's, that's Scotty. I think you've narrowed it right down. I've I've always and 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 it's not just Catholics. I mean the 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 pro-choice the the Democrat Catholic, the John Kerry, the Nancy Pelosi, and the 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 Joe Biden, who profess their devout Catholicism, and what they will try to get away with, and the key word being try, what they will try to get away with is, well, I would never advocate abortion. I don't ever want somebody to get one, but I'm not going to project my personal religious view out onto the government in a pluralistic society. Really? wonder if somebody had tried that with slavery. Yeah, I wonder if 150 years ago, or any amount of time ago, you know, I don't think anybody, I, I wouldn't own a slave. But, you know, if other people want to, that's their, I'm, I'm not going to impose my will on them. And I know that that may not be apples and apples, but it is a proper analogy. If, if something is so overwhelmingly wrong, you're going to advocate that, that, it, that, it, that nobody does it. And, and I don't mean, I mean, listen, taking your kid to McDonald's every day and, you know, feeding them chips and Hershey bars is wrong. But that, but that's your business. That's that's your business as a parent. We're not going to have food police for parents, at least not yet. But in, in something as as basic a human right as freedom, which is the slavery deal, or something as as basic a human right as living, which is the abortion premise, these are things that if you really are against them, you don't want anyone to do them. You don't want anyone to do those things. We are in. What's, what do we add? Oh, uh, say again, Sean. Time. Okay, well, let me go ahead and scoot, because rather than give somebody short shrift, uh, let us take it to the bottom of the hour, come back out. Let me give you a a little word on something I'm going to do at the beginning of the next hour. Um, When I had Dennis on, I asked him if he had seen the Ken Burns documentary on the U.S. and the Holocaust, and he said he had not yet. I I thought I'd finish it by now. I'm two-thirds through. Boy, have I got stuff to tell you about that at the beginning of the next hour. Uh, Hindsight's 20-20. You know, it's Ken Burns, so there's a political thing there, but there's also some genius there because everything he does is to a point. So we're going to talk about that next hour. But in a moment, right back with more of you on a multi-topic Wednesday on The Dennis Prager Show. Mark Davis filling in. Be right back. It is The Dennis Prager Show for this Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Mark Davis filling in. 
here in the big DFW at 660 AM The Answer, where I'm the happy morning host and even happier on the days that I get to do two, count them two talk shows, when this one is the second one. Dennis Prager Show, glad you are here. Go to DennisPrager.com for all things Dennis, and follow me on Twitter or shoot me a note if you want to, at Mark Davis on Twitter, M-A-R-K Davis. Let's return to your calls. We are in Philadelphia. Ash, hey, Mark Davis in for Dennis. How you doing? Hi, Mark. I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was intrigued by your question, and my uh, my opinion as of right now is that uh, politics is not Christian, or it's more of a pragmatic um, uh, tool, I guess, government, but that mm-hmm. Jesus' message is about individual people giving uh, charitably to their to your neighbor. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so any tool of government is, I would say, more uh, a consideration of uh, keeping chaos at bay so that people have the opportunity to give charitably. Um, sure. So, yeah, I... And I guess I was thinking the the previous caller that mentioned um, uh, abortion and if there's, you know, if something is so extreme that it needs to be addressed directly um, is, I get is an interesting question. And I guess I was thinking one of the few times that uh, Jesus used physical violence, I think he was um, driving the money changers out of the uh, out of the temple mm-hmm. yeah so but at, but he also at a different story he says um give to caesar like you know they say should you pay your taxes right. render says, unto caesar what is caesar is and under god what's god sure yeah but right. it's it, so, uh, thanks okay go ahead and finish up go ahead oh i was just gonna go off what you were saying so it's like jesus is sort of it sounds like he's saying government is a tool, you know, pay to see. No, absolutely. There are some things. I, absolutely, and thank you. There are, there are things that are government's business. There are things that can go uh, whatever way we wish them to. The Bible doesn't necessarily weigh in all that much. Uh, there are some things that absolutely are basic morality. And the question that arose from the gentleman's now thoroughly uh, resonating call from about an hour ago he said that he just finds and it places him in a good place because he is a Republican that the only way that he can honor scripture is with a Republican vote. And so I've asked like three times now, haven't gotten an answer yet. Uh, is there any issue on which the Democrats seem to have the market cornered? Is there any, is there any issue uh, of, of, of behavioral uh, morality of, of anything? Because obviously those are, are going to be policy issues in terms of it is a human life in the womb worthy of protection? I mean, it's a moral question. It's also a policy question. Uh, how many people ought to be let into the country? Moral question and a policy question. Um, so it's, uh, there's often uh, an overlap there. Um, I, I am not pro-life because I'm a Republican. I'm pro-life because I'm a human being. I, I don't believe in Supreme Court justices Obeying the Constitution, because I'm a conservative. I believe in justices obeying the Constitution because I'm an American. There should be something central to humanity about protecting life in the womb. There should be something central to citizenship about obeying the Constitution. Now, with Roe v. Wade laid by the wayside, thank you, God, 
<laughs> Not to intermix there, but I mean that. Uh, but with Roe v. Wade properly and constitutionally unplugged after its you know nearly fifty year fictitious run, now the 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 various states are free to figure out what they want to do in terms of abortion policy. Some states may be way more ghoulishly permissive than I want them to be, but that at least obeys the Constitution. And I am free, as a pro-life person, to head out into those states, to speak out in those states, to contribute in those states, to try to change their hearts and their minds so that those states can be as pro-life as I am here in Texas. Now, is that going to be doable in my lifetime in California? Or New York, that's a a high hill to climb, but I'm going to try. So again, the designation here, just to close out this segment, I'll come back and talk to some more of you, 1-8-Prager-776, 1-8-Prager-776, and follow me on Twitter, at Mark Davis, M-A-R-K Davis, is there are a lot of things that have been made political. You know, taxes are political. Border policies are political. Some things have been made political that just aren't. More in a moment. Mark Davis in for Dennis. It is the Dennis Prager Show on this Wednesday, the 5th day of October. Mark Davis in for Dennis. Welcome or welcome back, as the case may be. I'm about to dive into something that's been uh, consuming me for a couple of weeks since I started watching it. Uh, That is the Ken Burns uh, documentary, another work of admitted genius from the amazing mind and filmmaking talent of Ken Burns. There's a political angle to it that I want to talk about, though, and also a, uh, well, we talked a lot today about morality and government and policy and, you know, the right thing to do and what defines that at any given moment, uh, any given chapter in history. This U.S. and the Holocaust documentary, it will, as an American, make you ask, what in the world were we thinking? Is it 2020 hindsight? Is it is it just historical presentism? Presentism is a great term. We commit a historical sin, I believe, when we, let's say somebody who's really upset with Columbus because in the 15th century he just doesn't, uh, he's just not displaying enough modern wokeness. Or we look back at a country in the 19th century that was kind of 50-50 on slavery. And we think, oh, how in the world did we ever do that? What's called it's the 19th century. You know, and we had enlightenment. And we traveled the road of enlightenment. We got rid of, got rid of slavery. We let women start voting. That's awesome. But I mean, women have only been voting for like 100 years. So walking around beating on the founding fathers for not letting women vote is just historical illiteracy. So this, this isn't the 19th century. This isn't the 15th century. This is the last century, not even a hundred years ago. Unspeakable things were happening to Jews in Europe. We knew about it. Did we know enough about it where it's somehow unpardonable, unfathomable why we didn't do more? Why didn't we do more? And how are we to feel about that looking back through history's lens? Those are the questions this documentary asks. I'm going to take you through it. Just a, a couple, just sort of my, some notes I was making while watching. And then I want to open the phone lines to you if you've seen it. Uh, share your views 
If you have not, then you'll hear what I'm talking about anyway, and uh, and we can discuss it. Real quick, two, th- two big things in the news. Uh, Biden is in Florida, so he and DeSantis are occupying the same space. That's always fun. <laughs> Great political rivals. Also, uh, OPEC announces that they are cutting oil production. Gas prices are surging again. So Joe Biden is going to go raid about 10 million more gallons from the strategic, uh, the, the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Uh, that exa- the Strategic has a meaning. That is there for national emergencies, not Democrat emergencies. So those are a couple of your big uh, news stories of the day. So as the Ken Burns, and I, I, saw, I saw Mr. Burns interviewed on some show or another, like in conjunction with the beginning of, of the documentary. And I got to tell you, from the Civil War documentary, through baseball, through the Brooklyn Bridge, through the, the one he did on Vietnam, which had a certain political flavor, to be sure, but I am a massive fan of this man's work. His is his storytelling gift, and the narrations, and the 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 pictures. Some of them still, and some of them moving, are are just they're just incredible. They're just remarkable. So, but at the beginning though of U.S. and the Holocaust, it's pretty well clear, and all the chapters have are, are little excerpts from the Emma Lazarus poem. At the base of the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free, and it's pretty clear that that Ken Burns is a total open borders guy. That anything less than open borders is just somehow morally bereft. I obviously don't agree with that, but should our borders have been more open as the '30s became the '40s to people who are flat out being hunted down and killed? You start circa 1933, Hitler becomes chancellor, and you all, FDR hated Hitler. But even Jews in America, Jews in Europe and America were mixed as to, you know, what to do. That in a way, raising red flags, raising trouble, making trouble might somehow backfire and create even more problems. Just lay low, it'll pass. Well, obviously, it didn't. The book burning begins. Book burning not just from Jewish authors, but from subjects that were just not, uh, that didn't fall into favor of the new leadership in Germany. So horrible things are happening. And in the mid-30s, well before Kristallnacht, the famed night of broken glass, way before that, we knew what was going on. Now, this is me. This is not me saying we are a terrible country for not doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, and the, and, the, and the documentary asks, I think it has its answer, but but I, I wonder about yours. We had a pretty high bar for immigration at the time. We required some th- certain things, good character, people that were not going to be a ward of the state. Getting that documentation was hard for Jews in Germany because life was turning into hell for Jews in Germany. So the low number of applicants made it possible for the State Department to say, look, we don't even really have that many takers. Then, hello, the Depression. The Depression. The average American was asked, we are, we are a country filled with our own starving people, and we're supposed to let in a half a million refugees? You know, we're not heartless, but I don't think so, was the general American view. There were certain examples of folks who did succeed in getting off the European continent. They tell the, the heart-rending story of, the, of the, the ship, the St. Louis. Cuba agreed to take in a, a shipload of, of European Jews. Ship gets to Cuba. Cuba says, eh, I don't think so. Whoa, what? 
Yeah, we changed our mind. Just too much trouble. Whoa. So you're 90 miles off, off America. So they go up to the Florida coast. Um, America said, nope. Nope. The St. Louis wound up by the beneficence of people in the UK, Belgium, France, and the Netherlands wound up coming back to Europe. The ship was headed back to Germany. It's like, what? We're going back from whence we came so we can get killed? But the ship went to a safer place, and the vast majority of the people on St. Louis lived long, happy lives. You're not going to feel the same about Charles Lindbergh, that whole spirit of St. Louis thing, that uh, first guy to cross the transatlantic, cross the Atlantic, uh, first transatlantic flight. That's great. That's quite the achievement in aviation. Yeah, Lindbergh, total Jew hater, uh, total raving anti-Semite. Yikes. Uh, there's a Philip Roth book, a work of fiction called The Plot Against America, kind of an alternative history, which is all the rage these days. Goes back to that era. Lindbergh becomes president, and things start to go really bad for American Jews. So it's in a, sometimes fiction teaches some of our really interesting lessons. The Plot Against America by Philip Roth. Recommended highly. So things are starting to take shape in America. Some things called like the America First Committee. Well, that has a lovely ring today. I'm all about America First now. Uh, in the 1930s, America First meant, I mean, it meant America First. And if that meant saying no to a whole bunch of European refugees, that's going to be a no. So then in 1940, we start to develop a serious concern about whether maybe there are Nazi agents in Germany. Artists and intellectuals you know, are, are, are being stopped and questioned, you know, are you a Jew or are you a Jew? In 1940, FDR is running for re-election, his third, or his you know, third election, second re-election. And he opposed uh, entry into the war but did start for the first time a peacetime draft. Then we start to meet people, and as the average Ken Burns documentary does, you meet some incredible people. Out, speaking of St. Louis, out of the city of St. Louis, a wonderful man who's 100 years old now named Gunther Stern, Guy. He, she went with a girl who said, I can't pronounce Gunther, so uh, we'll go with Guy. And he goes by Guy Stern to this day, an amazing man. Also, Joseph and Susie Hilsenrath, who were spirited out of France, stuffed into a ship from Portugal, and as they arrived in America, they, they rustled all the kids, get up at 6 a.m. to see the Statue of Liberty. And Joseph Hilsenrath is telling this story. He says, I just, I just totally broke down in tears because there was the statue. The taste of freedom, it was remarkable. And wiping away a tear, he said, its effects apparently are, um, have never left me. I was in America. I didn't have to worry about being killed. I would be able to grow old and have a life. So at this time, you know, it's 1941, then hello Pearl Harbor. We put 120,000 people into ja Japanese into internment camps. Uh, we're concerned about enemy aliens of all types, Germans, Italians, suspected of various nefarious activities. And the way the logic went was the best way to rescue these people was to beat the Nazis, beat Imperial Japan to win the war. Winning the war would bring about the rescue. Rescue itself was a diversion from that war effort. So let me stop, hit the break. If, so now this is where the documentary goes. The question is, should we look back at, wh at what we did or did not do? Sins of omission and commission in the, in the 30s leading up to, to actually the 40s and say, obviously, obviously, I wish we'd have done more. But is that just pure hindsight? How should we feel about what we did or did not do? Mark Davison for Dennis. Be right back.
right, everybody, it's the Dennis Prager Show for this Wednesday, the 5th day of October 2022. Glad you are here. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Davis. Phone number is 1-8-Prager-776, 1-8-Prager-776. And as we take a look at, at various things, let me hop onto the phones with you and, uh, and, and ask you, every topic remains alive. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, the, the, the Ken Burns U.S. and the Holocaust uh, documentary. We can make that just one of several things that we talk about. But let me start with that in St. Joseph, Michigan. Candace, Mark Davis, hi. In for Dennis, how are you doing? Hi, Mark. You always do a great job when you're in for Dennis. Thank, Thank you. you. You're very kind. Thanks. I had the privilege. Um, one of my dear friends married um, a Holocaust survivor. There's a book written about three babies that were born in a concentration camp and survived. They were born in Mutthausen two weeks before mm-hmm. the war ended. I watched mm-hmm. the series twice. I think I agree with you totally. Ken Burns is amazing. But his political slant, um, if you recall at the beginning, um, Roosevelt was given um, executive powers because of the financial situation. And mm-hmm. he therefore had the power to allow the Lewis to have landed the ship full of, of 900 and some uh, Jews that got sent back to Europe. Um, when he, the, the people, the Jewish people he did allow in were put in horrible conditions. You saw that in, in terrible camps that they said looked like concentration. I mean, they were horrible, even worse. In terms of conditions, they you know weren't made to work, whatever. Um, and I I think that if you're telling a story, then you have to be honest. Um, my friend Mark Olsky, Doctor Olsky, um, his mother told him how wonderful the Americans were. After they could have just left, war was over. He said they could have just walked away, and instead he said they treated everyone in that camp as if they were their own brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. Got yeah. them food, doctors, everything. Where was that? Where was that part of the story? Yeah, when I thank you so much. When I asked Dennis, who had who has not seen it yet, I, well, first of all, if, if, I hope Dennis is able to consume it as soon as possible because the show will not be complete until we get Dennis's actual take on this. And I trust you will get it and get it soon. I, I couldn't. I recommended it to him, and I'm sure he was going to get around to that anyway. But he, so I, I laid out the premise of, and I just asked him broadly how we should feel retroactively about our country that we all love, I like to think we all love it, and what we did and did not do circa 1930s and, and, and the early 40s. And he said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll need to consume the actual Ken Burns product to see what I think about the feeling I get from the tone he takes. But he said that everything that I feel about this subject revolves around my father, his Dennis's father, Max Prager. And he said that, I think, did Max write like a, doc, a doctoral dissertation or something? The One of the main historical cruxes of which was that American Jews are the luckiest Jews in the world. Now, and, and, and so that's the lens through which he will see this. Now, that doesn't make past uh, myopia, short-sightedness, past unfortunate uh, moments overlooked doesn't make those all okay, but there's a kind of a big picture thing. You know, and I tell you, let me take it right to you, not to you know sell a few copies of Uncle Tom 2 on DVD, which I'm glad to do. American blacks are the luckiest blacks in the world, please. But hello, slavery. I mean, you know, you, you might not feel that lucky if you're in, you know, in Mississippi in 1858, but it's true now. 
So we, we try, but here, but here's the big difference here. Now I will tell you what I will not do is play. Can you top this with various, you know, the, the sins and tragedies of slavery versus the Holocaust, not going there. However, you know what the difference is when slavery was going on, which by the way, it's still going on various locations around the world. Uh, when, when it was going on in the mid 19th century, it was a subject, subject of great debate in America. We had there were Americans who were pro-slavery, anti-slavery, in favor of keeping it, and, and abolitionists who were not. It was a conversation that was being had. There was no conversation being had in the 1930s around the world about whether you ought to try to wipe out every member of a particular faith. That was very outside the, the box, outside the Overton window, if you will. And yet it happened. And I, I, as I'm watching this thing, of, of, before you get to any notion of what America should have done or 2020 hindsight or presentism or whatever, I just I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. How in the world did this? And, and honestly, it's not even so much a figure, one evil figure. I talked on my own show this morning about the, uh, they both came up in the same breath, the Holocaust uh, documentary, which is incredibly unpleasant to watch, but I feel there's a certain necessity to it. There, I was I was enriched by it, informed by it, enlightened by it. And this is a hundred mile walk, the Jeffrey Dahmer docudrama on Netflix, and which is hugely popular. And I just have no, I don't think I have no intention of going there. Individual evil is something that I understand is going to happen. I don't need to be taken through you know Jeffrey Dahmer's you know little league failures when he's twelve. I I I just don't. I just don't. I stipulate it's probably an act of a a, a a work of great quality. There's a lot of talent going on there. Not my cup of tea. Don't want to do it. Reason I brought that up is individual evil will never baffle me. There's going to be in, great individual evil uh, of an individual criminal like Dahmer or an individual evil leader. Like Hitler, the, the the miracle, the the unfathomable phenomenon to me is an entire country. Not everybody went along with it. As you pretty well, you you better go along with it. Was the eventual message? But how? And this is just an exercise in psychology, human nature. I don't know what the the dark underbelly of the human condition. Bunch of people who probably thought themselves thoroughly worthy, good Christians. Said, okay, final solution, I'm in. So anyway, uh, it, it is something to see. Ken Burns' documentary, The U.S. and the Holocaust. All righty, there we go. Uh, so to, to define the term once again, then we'll get out of this uh, segment and go into the next and wherever you want to go on, on various topics, free for all between now and the uh, top of the hour here when we are done. Got a, a home stretch half hour of the Dennis Prager Show yet to follow. Presentism is looking at everything in the past through the values of today. Uh, Bill Maher put it best. If you go back in time, you know, would you, would you, you know, beat up George Washington because you have a gay friend and he doesn't, you know, that's <laughs> so it's, it's seeing everything through the mod. And this certainly asks us to see through the modern lens, but this wasn't 300 years ago. This was not even a century ago. All right. Mark Davis in for Dennis Prager. Be right back. The Dennis Prager show. That they do. Dennis Prager Show, Wednesday, October 5th, home stretch half hour. Mark Davison for Dennis. He will return tomorrow. A blessed Yom Kippur to Dennis and everyone who observed it. We are observing your thoughts on the phone lines at 1 8 Prager 776. 1 8 Prager 776. 
Let us roll to Littleton, Colorado. Jerry, hey, Mark Davison for Dennis. How are you this Wednesday? Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hi, good. Good. So I, you had a caller that just called in, and she was saying that she felt that Christians were forcing and trying to take away her right for an abortion. I just want to address just mm-hmm. a couple of points, if I may. Um, sure. Firstly, I think that as you look at it, there was no federal legislature that ever passed a law giving a woman a right to an abortion. Secondly, it was never written into the Constitution as a right like the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. Thirdly, it was ruled on by a court, and the court made a statement that they felt that they could tie it under an amendment that was a far-reaching stretch, and this Supreme Court overruled that. My point about this is threefold. Number one, when the judicial legislature rules a certain way and it doesn't go the way of the left, they don't respect it, and yet we as conservatives are expected to accept anything that the judicial system rules on if it's partial and supportive of the left. That's my Mm -hmm. first point. Uh My second point is basically the same thing about democracy. They want this to be a democracy and they want it to rule where people can vote into law specific things. I live in Colorado. Right now you can have an abortion right up to the day of the birth of the baby. That was approved by our legislature and signed into law by our governor. I think that most Christians or at least most conservatives, let me rephrase that, most conservatives feel that if abortion is a right and if it is legal, the maximum that it should be allowed is up to week 15. That's where I fit in. I think that abortion is not right for me, but if somebody does make that choice to have an abortion, it should not Mm -hmm. go past the first trimester. And by the way, that was the ruling in Roe versus Wade. Acceptable in the Mm -hmm. first trimester, um, considered in the second trimester, and illegal in the third trimester. So based on that, I do think that it's interesting how people couch this and how people take it. And really, I wish that we could all look at it objectively and from the truth and then make decisions on what is right for us as a population. I think that's wise. Let me borrow you for a couple of things. I, I think I'm with you on just the, uh, the large, broad, conceptual things you offered. Um, why are you okay with um, abortion prior to 15 weeks? I think that at that point, it is still a woman's body, and the embryo slash baby cannot make it on its own. But at weeks 23, Whoa. 24, 25, that baby can make it on its own. Why would you? But you, you did you throw down 15, I think? Then what makes it something you would not do at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20? What, what's so magical about viability? It's not magical. You have to have a cutoff date. You have to have a standard. Oh, no, you don't. Well, I'm pro-life, so I have no cutoff date. So no, what I'm asking is, there's some part, there's some, surely, go right ahead. Let me ask you a question. Why sure. is it that when we have a DUI, that if you test at .08, why isn't it .0875, or why isn't it .9? Because we have to figure a point at which inebriation impairs the definition of, of, of responsible driving of a car. Uh, if, if The pro-life position is that life is sacred from the moment of, for me, implantation in, in the womb. Now, not everybody has to feel that way. I'm always intrigued by people who who say, oh, no, we, we, can't, we can't terminate a, a pregnancy at 23 weeks, but we can at 15. What the heck is the difference? Understand, I think that what it boils down to is that you have 50% of the population that believes in a woman's right to an abortion and 50% well, of the population... But, what, but, but, that, but, that, but, that, but I'm asking about you. But I'm asking about you. 
I'm asking yeah. about you. What makes what makes you protective of life at 23 weeks and cavalier about it at 15? If I had my way, I would make it at eight because I believe that it's a zygote, and I believe that life does not begin mm. at conception. You know so what? That is that is thoroughly honest. And and by the way, thank you for what I sometimes don't get from people. Honesty. So I I deeply appreciate and value. Thank thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right, one eight Prager seven seven six. Thank you. One eight Prager seven seven six. Um, okay, when we uh, it, it, it's so funny that because all these folks, uh, what Lindsey Graham did the other day, that that the states can you know, it's, it's Roe v. Wade sent it all back to the states, and the states' playground is zero to fifteen weeks. After fifteen, we're saying no, which is what Roe v. Wade was based on, and everybody's going ah, I'm, I'm, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, a few things surprise me anymore. So let's hop back to your calls in just a moment. Uh, Mark Davis on the Dennis Prager Show. Filling in for Dennis. Follow me on Twitter at Mark Davis and go to things Dennis related at DennisPrager.com. Be right back. He closed his eyes and smiled kind of trippy, said, hey man, even Jesus was a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> Little Trace Atkins, can you tell? Alrighty, Mark Davis in for Dennis. One eight Prager seven seven six. Listen, just for a second, uh, the the moment has arrived. Uh, Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden. We have over ninety seven percent of the state that has power here in Lee County. Of course, one of the hardest hit areas. Florida Power and Light has restored eighty five percent of its Lee County customers. DeSantis is going to lay down the uh, the narrative of the the progress that they've been able to make. And there are two there are two things I hope for. I hope that, that Joe Biden's not going to try to throw shade at the great job that DeSantis has done, and, and I, I don't think he necessarily will. Uh, and I'd love for DeSantis not to throw shade at the federal relief efforts. I mean, I, I want them both to be honest, uh, because it, it needs to be all hands on deck. There's a role for the federal government in this. There's a role for a governor in this. And so everybody's just doing what they are supposed to do to try to help these suffering people. Let us pray for them and for the path forward for, for healing and for, for building back uh, that part of that beautiful, beautiful state. All right, we'll, uh, we're in Arlington, Texas. Brandon, Mark Davis in for Dennis. How are you? Hey, doing well, Mark. Hope you're doing well. Uh, love Thanks, sure. you cover for Dennis. So I've talked to you a lot on the morning show. But uh, I want to thank you. I know you're a big fan of precise language, and so am I. I love your use of the term presentism, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a deriding of past figures. I work for a university. I won't say which one in the area, but uh, the student senate is making noise about renaming a, a couple of buildings for past presidents. Oh, yeah who oh, apparently yeah. had, oh, Confederate-leaning, segregationist-leanings, and this and that. We, we got, got about 60 I mean, seconds. Go. Yeah. Well, so we the bottom about, line, yeah. present, presentism uh, yeah. teaches these young knuckleheads that uh, they have to view as hostile, anything that doesn't fit into their woke That's jello it. mold. And, and, and the, one of the worst things, and thank you so much, and part of my brevity, got to scoot, uh, the, 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 the historical crime of this is, is if we don't appreciate where we've come from. You know, it, we had we had slavery in the middle of the 19th century. Then a war was fought, and we got rid of it. That's amazing progress. We didn't let women vote, you know, a hundred and some years ago, and then we got better, and we let women vote now. There, there were there. People have journeys of education and enlightenment and redemption, and so do countries. And uh, I think ours is the greatest on earth. I want to thank Alan for the invitation. I want to thank Sean for hanging out with me here in my uh, my earphone ear. I want to thank Suzette. 
for, uh, for, for doing the call screening. Rick and JJ in the world of video. Thanks to everybody at the Salem News Channel, everybody at the Prager Show. Follow me on Twitter, at Mark Davis, M-A-R-K Davis, and I will see you the next time they ask, because it is always a pleasure to hang out with you here on the Dennis Prager Show. I'm Mark Davis. Have a fantastic rest of your day. See you soon. Amen, even Jesus was a hippie. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.